Hey guys, just a quick update about the book. Volume 1 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable is now available on all major ebook platforms, and the print version will be following shortly. If you've been wanting to read a physical copy of a DTF, the long wait is now over. Check out the link to the website in the show notes. Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with a prologue. In Chapter 62, the royal families arrived in Ramofsi. In this episode, Chapter 63, a new adventure begins, and Zayraid acts out. Alright, let's dive in. If one thing was for certain, it was that Navali was thrilled to be in Ramofsi. Her parents had no need to be concerned. The future ruler took to the land and its people instantly. The Ramofsian elves adored Navali in turn. She was polite, intelligent, and classically beautiful with her flawless skin, slender build, and pointed ears. Her parents noticed how her accent had improved, to the point where she could easily pass as a native of the country. It was bittersweet to see her flourish so seamlessly. Lord Machiel awaited the royal families on the castle grounds in Low Mountain. He fawned over each of the children, though the boys were becoming men, and welcomed Fauna to his brother's country cordially. Forgive me for saying so, Fauna kept her hand in his, but I have a sneaking suspicion that your presence means you'll be talking about business. Lord Machiel pressed her hand gently before letting go. You aren't wrong. But my foremost and truest intention was to welcome you here. You will have to visit me in Oster next. Lord Oro clicked his tongue at his brother and scolded him. She has yet to step into my castle, and you are inviting her to yours. Tactless. The brothers bickered as they entered the impressive stone castle. Sebastian escorted his wife on one arm and held Lumen's hand with the other. The little girl became subdued in sheer awe of the massive structure. This is cool, isn't it? Odax whispered to Zayraid as they straggled behind the group. The elvish kings were giving them a full tour, and truthfully, the boys could have cared less about the tapestries and stained glass anecdotes. I guess. Zayraid wore a silver circlet to indicate his nobility. He wore it well. There was no doubting his lineage from the way he carried himself. This is where your mom grew up. It tells you a little more about her past. Odak saw how disinterested his friend was in the topic. What's wrong? Nothing. The crown prince replied quietly. Before Odax could press him further, the doors to the library opened. Both of the elder children's jaws dropped. Lumen ran ahead and craned her neck to see the intricately painted ceiling. Dad, how did they ever drag you away from this place? Odax exclaimed. It was only a half-joke. Kicking and screaming, no doubt, Fauna murmured, floored by the millions of books contained within the cavernous library. I'll be right back, Seb disappeared. You shouldn't have let him go. We're never going to get him back. Lumen huffed and wandered closer to Tanner. The young man had been completely silent, but even he looked stunned. Sebastian led someone back to the main group, speaking with her cheerfully. He introduced her as Letta, the librarian. Though she didn't enjoy the attention she was being given, she was secretly relieved to see the great tamer again. 
She had feared his visit when he was younger would be the first and last time she would ever see the Rhydonian regent. Dad, can I go read, please? Odax asked after they had been introduced. Oh, this child is undoubtedly yours. Letta smiled softly at Odax. Have you finished your tour of the castle? Odax shoved his hands in his pockets and shrugged. No, but there's books here. Odie, you can read later. Fauna raised an eyebrow at him. His focus had already been displaced. How long would it take to read all of these? He murmured, wandering away. His mother sighed. <sighs> and Tanner politely asked Letta, Do those books need to be shelved? He gestured to a large stack on an oak table. Oh, yes. Someone was researching earlier, and I have yet to put them away. She cast a mildly annoyed glance to Lororo. Let me carry them for you. Tanner picked up the massive stack before she could refuse. Lumen told her parents, Valley is going to show me to her room, then we're going for a ride. But... Fauna trailed off. The children dispersed. Zerid tagged along with Odax, too. Well, I would very much like to finish the tour. Fauna felt slightly embarrassed. They ended the tour in the lone courtyard in the center of the castle, and the exotic flowers drew Fauna's attention like a bee to honey. You're no better than your kids, Seb teased, but Fauna waved him off. She began a conversation with the gardener, who was surprised at her comprehension of the flowers and Romofsian language. The kings took the opportunity to withdraw to Lord Oriel's study. Your wife is wonderfully astute, Lord Maciel commented as he took a seat by the empty fireplace. She is, Zeb rubbed the back of his neck with a wry grin. How are things across the border? The Austerian king accepted a tumbler of amber brandy from his brother. Oh, as well as usual, I suppose. More well off than Ori. Seb exchanged a curious glance with the Romofsian king as he handed him his drink. Lord Oriel explained, We have been struggling with ogres. More than we used to. I don't think I would like it if my people were being hunted down either, Seb replied dryly. You're still only hunting the ones that cross over the border from their territory, aren't you? Of course, though that is part of the problem. Lord Oriel sat behind his bureau. It was ornately carved out of a solid wood native to Romasi. In retaliation to hunting, they send more ogres over, and we dispose of them. And you have every right to, Lord Maciel said supportively. If those simple-minded creatures had stayed in their own territory, well, then there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place. Good business for Romofsi, Lord Oro murmured. How is your pygmy dragon situation, Sebastian? Seb leaned over the back of a wing chair. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. My latest reports show that pygmy dragon sightings have decreased dramatically, and attacks have ceased altogether. Really? That seems rather odd. Lord Maciel twirled his glass idly. It is odd. There shouldn't be a sudden halt. It should be a slow decline, shouldn't it? I don't know if it's a good thing or bad. I would like to think that whatever was displacing them has solved itself. But that's a bit naive. There are worse things to worry about, 
the Austerian king said. What does your inner great tamer believe? Lord Oral asked seriously, ignoring his brother's lightheartedness. Sebastian gazed at the amber liquid in his glass. Something is still wrong, and I don't have the insight to figure it out. Maybe once Zay is crowned, I'll be able to take some time to personally investigate. Until then, Seb took a sip of the brandy. The Elvish brothers both had the same thought. Zayred's coronation was four years away. Many things could happen and go wrong in that time frame. Speaking of coronations, my eldest is planning to visit for a few days. Is that all right, Ori? The Romovsian king raised an eyebrow at his brother. I suppose it would be rude to refuse with another ruler present. Seb chuckled, and Lord Machiel smiled. It hasn't stopped you before. Sebastian rejoined his wife later, and took her for a stroll through the gardens surrounding the castle. They were meticulously maintained, and he took a great amount of pleasure in listening to Fauna rave about the gardens. He whistled softly and enjoyed the warm sun on his face. What a difference from the cool spring and ride on. They heard a loud chirp, and Seb was tackled an instant later. The king dropped to his knees and laughed as a pygmy dragon licked his face and pawed at his chest. It's you! You remember me! Sebastian stroked the dragon's sapphire-colored scales. She arched her back and chirped enthusiastically. This girl wouldn't leave my side the first time I visited. Seb smiled at Fauna. She's rather beautiful. Fauna eyed the dragon timidly as it perched on Seb's shoulder. Isn't she? Sebastian held out his hand to his wife. The pygmy dragon was unbothered by Fauna being near. She swished her tail and her chest rumbled contentedly. Come on, you were telling me about those pink flowers. Odax had been eyeing the grand piano in the dining hall since they sat down for dinner. It was only when his father was pestering Lumen that he saw his chance to use the instrument. You never, ever sing for us. I'm starting to think you're unable to. Lumen rolled her eyes at her father. Don't be such a drama queen. Obviously I can, because I go to my lessons. Right, auntie? Princess Felicita lowered her teacup. You do. Perhaps it would be a nice treat for everyone else to hear you. Lumen hesitated, and Odax pushed out his chair and stood. Come on, Lou. I'll accompany you. That way you don't have to be alone. I'm not afraid to do it alone, Lumen protested hotly. Care to prove it? Odax asked coolly. Lumen narrowed her eyes at her brother, and Tanner dabbed his mouth with his napkin to hide a smile. Fine. She started to walk over to the wooden grand piano, and glanced at her brother when he didn't follow. Oh, did you want my help? He grinned smugly. Odie, don't pester her, Fauna chastised. He pulled out the bench and began to play a song. The siblings bickered over which song to play, and Lumen mumbled something about, Not that key. Lord Oral appreciated what a rare event it must have been to have not only their parents, but the rest of the Rhydonian family watching keenly. I'll start the verse and you jump in when you want, Lou. Odax played beautifully and sang just as well. His voice was highly trained by Felicita, and he wasn't shy. His mother often requested songs from him while the family sat in the library after dinner. Lumen now joined her brother at the chorus, harmonizing effortlessly. Her voice was powerful, on pitch, 
and wonderfully clear for a girl her age. Fauna listened to her daughter in amazement, and her husband leaned over. Don't look too surprised, or you'll scare her away. Fauna smacked his arm, though Sebastian was delighted too. His children sounded wonderful together, and they would only improve with age. Do the one that sounds like this. Lumen played a few notes on the piano after the first song, and Odax jumped in without missing a beat. Both children looked rather happy to be performing together, especially since they didn't do it often anymore. Lord Makiel mentioned quietly, It's quite admirable that your children get along so well. Mine constantly bicker. He shot a meaningful glance at Grimmon, who was standing guard at the other end of the room. Grimmon's ear twitched. He had heard his father. We're very lucky, Fauna agreed, and Seb kissed her hand lovingly. You two get along well, do you not? Lord Earl asked his grandchildren. Nivali nodded without a second thought, and Zayrid mumbled, Speak only when spoken to. That's my motto. Zay, Felicita chided. Well, it's true. He doesn't talk often, Nivali pointed out. What's the point? You would only correct me. Nivali thought for a moment. Yes, that's also true. The 14-year-old pushed back his chair and excused himself. Felicita lightly scolded her daughter and went to stand. Kyle's hand on her thigh stopped her. Odax and Lumen had finished their song, and Odax was already following his friend out of the room. Tanner excused himself as well. Lumen held her head high as she sat down at the table. There. I've done something good, so now you can't get mad at me the next time I do something wrong. That's not how that works. Her father sighed. Zay. Hey! Odax ran to catch up to the crown prince. He was heading to the second floor, up a spiraling staircase. Was the music really that bad? He smirked. Zayrid looked thoroughly unamused. What's wrong, Zay? The young man stopped at a window and opened it. No guards were currently manning that section of the hall. Odax grabbed Zayrid's wrist as he put one foot on the windowsill. I need some air. One day here, and I'm already sick of it. Kruar came into view, haloed by a warm sunset. Come with me if you want. Just don't let them follow. He motioned his head in the direction they came from. As the prince leapt out of the window and onto his dragon, Tanner caught up to Odax. Where's he going? It's getting late. Are you coming or not? Odax crouched on the windowsill, and ale banked towards the castle. Tanner had a knot in his stomach. Seb and Fauna weren't going to like that they ran off. The weather may have been fair, but the sun had receded behind the rolling mountains. It would be too dark to see soon, and none of them had a lantern. Ale's scales were slippery without a saddle or blanket. It was something Tanner had never gotten comfortable with. When the dragon began her descent, Tanner gripped Odax tight. The wooded area rang with the calls of birds unknown to them. Ale mentioned to her tamer that it wasn't safe to be out alone, but Odax already knew that. What are we doing here? He asked Zayrid. Nothing. He kicked a moss-covered stone. I just needed to be away from there. But why now? We could have done this tomorrow, during the day. Our parents are going to be- Who cares what they think, Dax? Zayrid exclaimed in exasperation. All you ever think about is how to please them. 
Don't you get sick of being a kiss-ass sometimes? Ail growled, and Odax held out his arm to stop her from moving forward. No, I don't. Being a kiss-ass means that they trust me. I get away with a lot, Zay. Except that you never do anything wrong. The teen rolled his eyes. Lay off of him, Zay. We're out here because of you. If you hadn't noticed, it's dark. Tanner growled defensively. And the moon is out, isn't it? A crescent moon hung low in the sky. Zay, are you going to tell us what's wrong, or are you going to be miserable the whole trip? You've been in a mood since we left Imperior. Odax felt Ale nudge his back in support. The crown prince kicked the soft soil. It was covered in a thick, verdant moss. You wouldn't get it. Try us, Odax urged. Zerid sighed heavily and ran a hand through his black, wavy curls. Being here is a constant reminder that I never should have existed. Valley fits in here so well. It should have been me. I should have been Mala and Tian's. Valley is everything they wanted. A pretty, smart heiress to the Ramosian throne. So, you feel left out, Odak summarized. Of course I feel left out. You didn't hear my grandfather offering for me to stay here, did you? Well, you can't really leave Rhydon for long, since you're the heir. I don't want to be. Zerid kicked a tree trunk in frustration. No one wants a mixed-breed bastard king anyway. Stop whining, Tanner snapped suddenly. The princes looked at him in surprise. Usually, he was rather mild. You have more than most people could ever dream of, and you treat it like a burden. You're spoiled absolutely rotten. A guttural sound came from Kairu's throat. Zerid was miffed. Tell me how you really feel, Tan. I've said enough. The sturdy young man folded his arms across his chest. I'm sure that it hurts you too. You must feel left out. The crown prince took a few slow steps toward Tanner. His violet emerald eyes had a dark shine. To hear Aunt Fauna tell Dax and Lou how thankful she is that they were born. How grateful she is to be their mother. I may feel inferior to my sister, but you have no one. Tanner lunged at Zayrid. Kroor reared his head and went to charge. Ale blocked him. The boys scrapped, sending a few blows to their midsections. Odax threw himself in between his friends and pushed back Tanner. Zayrid started. Thanks, Dax. Odax turned around and slapped him hard. His fists were nearly shaking with rage. However, he kept his voice level. Smarten up. We're your best friends. Your parents love you, Zay. So pull your head out of your ass. My parents love you too, for the record. And Tan. Don't ever say he has no one again, or I swear to Cayenne, you'll pay for it. Zayrid lowered his head and straightened his shirt. He sniffed. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm not dealing with this well. Sorry, Tan. He gave his friend a pat on the shoulder, and was glad Tanner nodded gracefully. What's that? Ale asked out loud. They turned to where she was looking. From the tree Zayrid had kicked, a luminescent cloud was floating away. You don't think that's the tree's spirit, do you? Guess you'd better hope not. That would be awful luck. Odax watched the shining cloud wisp away on the breeze. 
The group jumped in alarm when something crashed next to them suddenly. It was Arthur and Gree, and they did not look pleased. Kyle and Sebastian were waiting for them at the raised portcullis. Kyle pulled Zayrid aside and began a heated discussion. Sebastian exhaled heavily and unfolded his arms from across his chest. He walked in between them and gave the teens a gentle push toward the inner castle. Go apologize to your mother. She's in the foyer. They walked in silence until they were out of earshot. Before they reached the castle doors and accompanying guards, Odax grit his teeth. I hate it when he's disappointed in me. He would have been more disappointed if we didn't follow Zay, Tanner said quietly. Lumen appeared from the dining hall and ran over to them with a glint in her eyes. Mom's pretty upset. You're going to get it. You would know something about that, wouldn't you? Her older brother retorted in annoyance. Lumen stuck out her tongue. Best to just keep quiet and let her be mad at you. She followed them into the dining room in a begrudgingly innocent manner. She went over to Alice and stood in front of her. Alice smoothed down Lumen's golden blonde hair and whispered something in her ear. Is Zay with you? Felicita asked anxiously before they reached Fauna. Yes, he's back there with Uncle Kyle, Odax mumbled. His mother did look rather upset. Her slender arms were folded across her chest, and her lips were pressed firmly together. They halted in front of her with their heads bowed in shame. Are you two all right? The Regent Queen asked worriedly. The boys dared to look up. We're fine, Mom. She kissed both of their heads and fussed over Tanner. Don't let them drag you out with the dragons if you don't want to, sweetheart. I know, Tanner blushed. Lumen was fuming. How come they're getting off so easy? She exclaimed. Because unlike you, they rarely make mischief or sneak off, Fauna replied coolly. Lumen was unscathed by the comment. She shrugged. Well, what can you do? Girls will be girls. She walked off with her head high, and Alice and Vivian forced back smiles. Fauna considered giving her daughter a piece of her mind, but Tanner asked her quietly, Fauna, the trees out here, why do glowing clouds come out of them? The Regent Queen was mystified by the strange question. Thankfully, Nivelli's pointed ears heard Tanner's question as she entered the foyer. She strode over with a confident air of authority. That's how the trees out here germinate. She knew from Tanner's furrowed brow that he didn't understand. That's the spores they send out for emergency pollination, actually. It happens when there's a threat, like fire. The boys exchanged sidelong glances. Apparently kicking the trees was enough to startle them into germination. I've always wanted to see it because it's supposed to be very pretty. What was going on when you saw it? Where were you? She asked eagerly. Their conversation was interrupted by Zayrid, who came in and apologized to Fauna for the trouble he caused. The boys followed him out of the foyer, avoiding the rest of the conversation with Navali. So, that's why you're here then? Vivian queried Arthur. Art was leaning on a windowsill, with the panes pushed open. Silver moonlight illuminated the dark corridor. Art blew smoke between his pursed lips 
and returned his dark gaze to the elvish city. I don't know what you're talking about, Viv. Vivin leaned on the windowsill as well. Seb wants you babysitting, hmm? Art couldn't hide a knowing smirk. Oh, he assured me that's not what this is. Right, of course. They stood in silence for a moment, looking out over the peaceful city. The majority of the humble houses were quiet and darkened. Gentle white venifi burned in the street lamps, causing an eerily beautiful effect. You know how those two are, Art murmured, watching the end of his dart burn and crumble away. Just like their dad. Somebody should keep an eye on them, keep them out of trouble. Vivin was taken aback. You had other commissions, didn't you? Other assignments. Art tapped the ash from his dart. I always have something going on. You know that. Hate being still. Vivin regarded his friend with interest until Arthur sighed. I hate to admit it. He flicked the butt of his dart to the garden below. But there isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. Really? Vivin questioned softly, afraid that a higher decibel would scare his friend away. Yup, Arthur said briskly and took another pre-rolled smoke from the container he stashed in his inner breast pocket. I don't owe him anything. He hasn't saved my life. There's no underlying debt. Then why? Vivin asked as Art struck a match and lit the dart. Arthur took a long drag and cleared his throat. <clears throat> he gazed up at the clear, starry night sky. How ridiculous is it to be in love with someone who's dead? Vivin, what's going on? The tamer was so shocked by his friend's response that Kaylee felt the pull of his emotions. Art rubbed his brow with his thumb and took another drag. Even after all these years, I can't get her out of my head. The closest I can be to her is by helping him. For now. What does that mean? Vivin narrowed his eyes in uncertainty. Arthur flicked his gaze to his best friend. It means no one lives forever, Viv. He started to walk away. And she adored those kids, so I'll keep them safe, even if it kills me. Thanks for listening to Chapter 63 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>